Welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today, in honor of the recent but past Mother's Day holiday, I'm actually going to be talking about motherwort, which is like such a badass herb. We're going to get into it. Everyone needs some motherwort in their life. But also you know, kind of a small, you maybe haven't heard of her, but you probably have a deity, Gaia. Mm. Who? I know. We've talked around Gaia a lot because I know we've talked about her when we talked about Hera because Zeus. We also talked about her with Aphrodite because the Uranus Gaia thing is kind of important for Aphrodite coming into being, but we've never actually just covered Gaia. And as a deity who birthed 60 immortal and deity children, uh, what a mother. What a, what truly what a mother. (laughs) And so this week I'm going to be talking about, well, it says I'm talking about ancestor worship, but actually it really kind of went off the track. So I'm going to be telling some personal stories. I'm going to be talking about sort of including ancestral elements into your practice and um it's a little it's a little all over the place um so yeah we're we're gonna get into it Uh, i'm really excited and really um i will say kind of at the top here i did cry a little bit while i was writing my segment so my cancer my cancer mars really jumped out for this one hey girl And I feel like, you know, with all of, with the recent loss in my family too, I'm like really excited to talk about this topic this week because I think for a lot of people too, it's like Mother's Day can be a really painful holiday for a lot of reasons, but there are so many ways to work with your ancestors that aren't like, you know, that can make your magical practice better and it can help you find like there are ways to work with deeper back ancestors if you're immediate family of origin is hard. So it's like family stuff is really tough. And I think a lot of witches tend to be people who didn't fit in or are from other marginalized groups, which always ends up adding up to harder family stuff. So I'm just glad we're talking about it. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be an emotional ride though. It's going to be an emotional yeah, ride. There might be some crying. There, might, before- be, um, there might be some crying, but before, before we get into any of that, our famous, our famous question. So Shannon, I will start. How, when did you feel magical this week? So this week, twofold. First of all, it's just cherry season again, and nothing makes me feel more like I should be like running through a forest of trees than eating a giant bowl of cherries for dinner. Um, there's something to me specifically about cherries that is so like late spring, early summer. It just really embodies this season. And mm-hmm. oh god, it's like my little witchy heart. Anytime cherries come up, it's just like <sighs> yes. But on like another very different level, um, the blood moon was last night, the full mm-hmm. moon in Scorpio with the eclipse. Uh, cheers, everybody. We're out of the first eclipse season of the year. Um, you might be feeling like that was a bit emotionally difficult. Was for me. We made it through. Do some journaling around what happened in the last few weeks, but. <laughs> I have managed to line up again, like just through the natural cycles. My menstrual cycle has lined up to where now I am menstruating on the full moon. So I walked my dog last night, 
while menstruating under a Scorpio blood moon. And I was like, I'm not a witch who gathers my menstrual blood to use in spell work, like not to yuck people's yum, just not my thing. But last night I was like, if I was going to, this would be the time. But I didn't because that's just like not my practice. Uh, but it felt pretty fucking powerful. I was like, I am nature. Wow. And then we're talking about Gaia today. Yeah. yeah. Your wombs are busy. You are you are in tune. I will say that my moment this week actually does center around the eclipse as well, because what had happened was is so first of all, everyone went out last night. Like I literally made five hundred dollars at work. Um, so you know, yeah. Applause, applause, applause. Really a round of applause. Um but then, so I went to the bar afterwards, you know, I go to my little, uh, my little patio bar that I like, um, shout out to the aristocrat. Hello. Um, and I was there alone. I was there alone. And I was like, okay, you know, like, I'm going to listen to some Mitski and watch the eclipse and, you know, maybe like do some like, um, you know, investigative podcast listening while I'm here for the show today. And I meet so I met this woman who is a uh, bruja uh, who I've never seen at this bar before. And I'm probably at this bar like three, four times a week. I mean, that's just how it is, honey. Yeah. This is but like your bar. This it's is like your my, deck. it's like my bar. This is your cheers. Everyone knows your name. Truly, like... truly, truly. So never seen her before, but just like this really cool Mexican lesbian witch who's also oh. uh, an executive chef. Oh uh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we literally sat on this patio and watched the eclipse together. And we kept buying each other rounds of drinks. And um, we famously uh, tied one game to one game at pool after the eclipse was over. But she taught me this really cool spell that I'm going to be doing. And... You know, like, I sometimes, like, it's just, like, the universe just, like, puts people right where they need to be. And yeah. I was just, like, I really needed this connection, you know, because it's, like, outside of, like, our little ones and Franz community, like, I, I really kind of lost touch with, like, my witchy community because, you know, like, friend of the pod, Eve, is living in Virginia now. Of course, you live in Los Angeles, um, you know, like... Callie is not always down to clown. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was just really nice to like have that like moment of community and like literally be like talking shop as witches un literally under the eclipse. And um, I do have a second one though. Yeah. If, if it's not too much. And this no. one is, and this one is kind of more, more of a, a just a feeling, but. And smoking is bad, kids. Smoking is absolutely bad. Don't do it. But I was walking the other day and I was smoking a little ciggy. I was smoking a little ciggy. Fucking sue me. Okay. And the wind was at just the right speed that like the little cloud of smoke was like walking with me at like the exact same speed I was walking. That's fucking wild. And then I listened to Walking with a Ghost by Tegan and Sarah. So. Oh my God. I, I'm going to have to go listen to Tegan and Sarah after this. The number of times, y'all, that Nick and I have been like super drunk listening to Tegan and Sarah. 
Yeah, it's a lot. It's a it's, lot. <laughs> it's a it's a lot. And you know what? Actually, I said to a baby queer the other day, I, what I would call a baby queer is like anyone under the age of 25. Yeah. And children. I was like, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, because and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I consider myself, you know, like, a bit of a, a bit of a unicorn in the gay community, because actually, all of my queer experiences very early on were with queer women. Yeah. And like we, you know, I fucking like I'm a Tegan and Sarah Stan from way back. And they're like, who? And I was like, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah. I feel like you lose your gay card if you don't know who Tegan and Sarah are. Like literally, like some of our top gays. Like, what do you mean? The the most famous lesbian twin gays from Canada there ever were. And ever will be, but, um, but yeah, so I, so yeah, um, that's like, that's as disappointed probably as I was yesterday, we went and saw the new Doctor Strange movie, not because I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because we love Sam Raimi, um, and they, you know, at the Alamo Draft House, they do that, like, preview, like, warning thing, where it's like the don't talk, don't text, and they have different celebrities do it, well, Bruce Campbell was doing it for Doctor Strange, which makes sense because, you know, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell. But I just heard someone like two rows in front of me go, who's that? Oh, and I was like, no. oh. what? You don't know who fucking, I'm like, you don't even know the chin? Like Bruce Campbell has a famous chin. Like, how do you not? Oh my God. God. I, yeah. And then when someone says something like that, and then you feel ancient as the hills. Um... Yeah. I'm like, I'm 30. You're not allowed to make me feel like my hips are breaking. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, well, let's get into this. Yeah, we really... Speaking we, of we, anxiety we... and stress. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm talking about motherwort, y'all. Motherwort, lion's tail, lion's ear. These are all some of its common names, but the Latin is leonurus or leonurus. I'm like, I'm always questioning the U's. In Latin. Oh, yeah. in Latin, because they they need to pick a fucking lane is what right. So I'm gonna say Leonurus. That's fine. Cardiaca. Uh, that's the Latin name. So this tall friend is in the Lamiaceae family. Hey, mint, come through. And it's found throughout the world in temperate, sunny places, just like you, Nicholas. Oh, so, I, um, yes, just you like love me. a temperate sunny place. I do. Um, so Charles Pickering, an American naturalist and a physician who was like living and working in the late 19th century, he postulated that the plant likely originated or like originated in Central and Northern Asia, specifically in Japan and Siberia, and then spread westward into Europe. So when we're talking about this, though, I called it a tall friend. It can grow from two to 10 feet tall it's a tall boy yeah and it's the plant is it has a smooth square stem and the lower leaves are dark green and they're in opposite pairs which become progressively smaller as you get closer to the top of the stem and one of the easiest ways to actually identify it and it's important because this is a really forageable plant is actually by the unique leaf structure so the lower leaves have five to seven cleft lobes with these coarse teeth. And then as you go up, the leaves start having three lobes. And then the uppermost lobe, the uppermost leaves are oblong with one pair of coarse teeth. 
So, you know, look up a picture of it, but things like this that are really specific about plants are a good thing to get familiar with if you're trying to forage because you don't want to die. Black forager. I always love how she ends it like, don't die. We don't want yeah, you yeah, to die. Yeah, happy snacking. Don't die. Exactly. And the flowers are super cute on this. They're like small, fuzzy flowers that are white or pink. They're arranged in whorls around the leaf axis. And I love the word whorl, W-H-O-R-L. Yes, please. But they bloom in mid to late summer. And as the covering around like the seeded fruits dry, they can actually get a little prickly. So just like beware. Uh, Also, it self-seeds like it's getting paid to do it. So it can become weedy very easily. Gardeners beware. If you do want to grow this plant, like just remember, it really can take over because not only does it self-seed like literally like it's going out of style, it's also in the mint family, which means it's going to spread via underground runners. So maybe plant it away from your garden bed so it won't encroach on more delicate plants. And the good news here though, is it can grow and thrive just about anywhere, right? So it's like, and in any level of sun. So if you need to put it in a corner that's like under a tree so it doesn't take over your vegetable beds, it's totally fine. It's going to be chill. But because it's so easy to like grow and thrive, it's also like a really, really forageable plant. So get out there, look for it. Don't forage anywhere illegal. Don't die. Um, If you grow it from seed, it might need a stratification period. So that's a cold period. Some seeds though, and just like keep an eye, read your seed packs. Some seed companies will actually like previously cold stratify the seeds so you can skip that step. So in late spring, you're going to spread the seeds and like just sprinkle soil over them. You can also just like plant them in the fall and let them like naturally have cold stratification over the winter. But I don't fucking trust squirrels around here. So I tend to like cold stratify in the fridge and then plant in the spring. And it, you know, the plant will adopt to like most soil types, but if you really want to like get these 10 feet tall stalks, you're going to want to get it in some like, like moist, rich soil that's slightly alkaline. And when the plants are young, you want to keep them well watered, but really like as it matures, it becomes like a really hardy plant. So you can like super back off. But again, it'll grow well in dappled shade all the way to full sun. And I've read a few different people talking about growing it in their gardens. And the consensus kind of seems to be that they do best in partial shade. But all of those people also just say that this plant pops up in places that they never planted it, have no idea how it got there. So if you're one of those people that likes a very uh, organized British style garden, this might not be the plant for you. And that's okay, but just be aware. If you like a lot of order in the garden, motherwort does not uh, necessarily wanna follow your rules. But if you wanna keep it from self-seeding, you do need to cut the foliage way back, literally to like three to five inches after it flowers before the seeds mature. But again, remember it has that extensive mint root system. So be ready to root divide at the end of the season. So it doesn't just like eventually take over your entire yard. And then you can share it with friends. So the harvesting time to use it is like mid to late summer when it's in full bloom and the entire plant. So like stalks, leaves, flowers and all can be used to make your tinctures. 
You are going to want to get shears for this one, though, because the stem can get pretty woody. I'd also suggest gloves just in case the, like, outer wrapping on those uh, seeded fruits has started drying. You just don't want to, like, prick yourself. Also, it's, like, good practice to just wear gloves while you're gardening, like, PSA as we're getting into that season, because... I like to get my hands in the soil and I take them off when I can. But like when you're just like digging in and getting stuff out, like you never know when there's a little spider or something in there. I yeah. definitely just found like we found a black widow last summer on our back porch. And after that, I was like gloves. Gloves. <laughs> well, you you know, um, I mean, I know for sure here in Texas, I don't know if y'all get them in LA, but there's even those like little larvae in the soil sometimes that yeah. will like bite you. Like yeah. the little, like June bug larvae have like major, major pin pinchers for their mouth. Yeah. And yeah, they don't well, like being, loves, they don't like fun. being dug up. They don't like being dug up. Which is fair, but also yeah. get, get the fuck out of my garden. Um. <laughs> So let's talk about the medicinal uses, though. Really, like, it grows like a weed. Y'all can handle this one. But first, we have to do a disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It's not meant to diagnose or treat anything. Please always talk to your medical care professional before you start a new herbal regimen. But yeah, seriously, just go to the doctor. Don't, like, listen to us. Like, we're giving you medical advice. Y'all are smarter than that. Anyway, yeah, you're doing so good, sweetie. You're doing so good. We're proud of you. So as you may have guessed from the names, the primary uses are for like reproductive health, all like mother and motherwort and the heart. So you've got like the lion and the cardiac names. So the plant contains alkaloids, glycosides, flavonoids, tannins, and fatty acids, as well as calcium and antioxidant rich vitamins. But this thing is hella bitter so that makes it like good for your liver and digestion but this is why like you gotta make this one into a tincture like i've tried drinking motherwort tea and it is like nearly undrinkable and like i'm an herbalist so like i put up with some funky tasting shit right like i think anyone who's into plant medicine does motherwort is like not drinkable just make a tincture it's totally fine. I have a tincture of it that I made. It's in my tea. I put it in my tea every day. I put it in my husband's water bottle every day. Tincture it up. So um, for reproductive health, though, this one is like a great ally throughout your life, right? So if you have a womb, if you are the owner of a uterus, if you are a human who menstruates, listen up. So it's a great tonic for menstrual menopausal symptoms because it's antispasmodic, nervine, amenagogic, and hormonal actions. So as an amenagog, it can bring on delayed menstruation or correct amenorrhea. And amenorrhea is like a total loss of your uh, menstrual cycle. The antispasmodic actions can help with cramping and the nervine action calms irritability, all while the hormonal balancing powers like help with sore breasts, because that's a thing, dude, your boobs hurt sometimes the week before your period. Um, on the antispasmodic side, though, many people know about period poops. And it's because the same like the same things that are released to create the uterine contractions to slough off your uterine lining, uh, your intestines are right there. So the antispasmodic stuff can help if you get like gassy or like really bad like bathroom. Uh, <laughs> bathroom symptoms if you get I'm the sorry, weird period I'm, liter shits. I'm literally six years old and I can't not laugh I know. At we're, 
we're talking about poop. It's a, it's a thing. <laughs> so um, in childbirth, it can help stimulate uterine contractions to bring on labor due to its glycoside, a uh, leonoride. And it can ease the anxiety that I've heard comes along with pushing a kid out of your crotch. Um, that antispasmodic action can also help with the cramping, cramping after birth, but you should only be like administering it once the bleeding stops because it isn't a menagogue, but it helps with cramping, but you can't, you don't want to be taking it like right after the kid's out and you're still all bloody because you don't want extra blood. Um, during menopause, it can actually like do a lot to help moderate your hormone levels to ease things like hot flashes night sweats, insomnia, mood swings, and even mild depression that's caused by hormonal imbalances. So uh, yeah, if you got a womb, check out some other ward. On the heart front though, it's a cardiotonic that helps actually like strengthen your heart muscle. So the Latin name Leonorus cardiaca means lion-hearted and its antispasmodic and nervine properties can help relax cardiac muscle and ease tension and anxiety. So like this is really specifically helpful for people who have like heart palpitations and a regular heartbeat or have anxiety symptoms that cause things like chest tightening, racing heart. Like I personally, I have heart palpitations. I've had them since I was young. And that was one of the first reasons I started taking mother wart. Like before I knew about all the stuff for like my reproductive system health, I was taking it to help with heart palpitations. And for me, it has been effective. It does also have a diuretic effect though. So it can help reduce high blood pressure. And they did this like clinical study over 28 days uh, where they were looking at patients with arterial hypertension. And these were patients who had reported like comorbidities of things like anxiety and sleep disorders because of their arterial hypertension. And so after the test, they did like a survey and the symptoms of anxiety and depression were significantly improved in 32% of patients, a moderate improvement in 48%, and a weak effect in only 8%. So like they've done clinical trials and it does help with that. And it makes sense. Like in China and Japan, motherwort is actually just considered a longevity tonic, which is most likely, I think, due to all the good stuff it does for your heart. Like We've talked so many times about heart health and how important that is. And motherwort is great for your heart. The calcium content, though, is also very good for your nerves. Like uh, calcium deficiencies can cause issues with like your nerves. So calcium in the plant, also good for you. Um, because of that, it's like with all the like help with your nervous system, it's said to calm and uplift you. I've also heard a lot of people talk about using motherwort for symptoms like post, uh, what is it, postnatal depression and like after you give birth and it causes, you know, lots of crazy hormonal issues. Oh, po postpartum. postpartum. Yes, postpartum. Thank you. I'm like, I clearly haven't had a child. Um, I've heard that it can help some people who have postpartum issues. Specifically, they also say it's good for like mothers who have anxiety like about your children or if you're the type of person who gets like nervous about stuff with your kids mother warts one that gets suggested a lot um and because of all of that stuff though like it's nervine's effects at helping like ease anxiety and stress i think it's like a really great one to pair with lemon balm so i was like an iced lemon balm tea with like some drops of motherwort tincture on a hot summer day that, yes, that, that, that does sound so good. 
Right. Um, and finally, the, the herbal regulating body in Germany, which is called Commission E, has actually authorized the use of motherwort as part of like the treatment protocol for people with hyperthyroidism. Um, it helps balance the thyroid and addresses like some of the more common hyperthyroid, uh, hyperthyroidism symptoms. So things like heart palpitations, irregular heartbeat, anxiety, sleeplessness, um, it's generally a safe herb for most people, but of course, if you're pregnant, like talk to your doctor. In the West, a lot of times they say you shouldn't use like any amenagogues when you're pregnant, but the Germany like Commission E actually doesn't put a warning on it for pregnant people because some, you know, herbalists and naturopaths like suggest it to help with like anxiety and hormonal imbalances while you're pregnant. So this is one of the reasons it's really important for you to talk to your doctor because every human body is different. So again, I'm not your doctor. I'm also not your herbalist. So, I mean, if you want to be, call me, but I'm not. So, <laughs> but let's talk magic with all this lion talk, Nick, it's associated with Leo. I'm shocked, shaken to right. my very core. Truly. Uh, it's also associated with the planet Venus, which makes sense with all that womb love, uh, the water element, and the deities Freya and Ogun, which I really love. Like Freya in particular, like that very maternal energy makes so much sense. And they say magically the plant is supposed to be good for promoting inner trust and confidence, but it's also good for like counter magic and protection. Like I kind of think about this plant as one that helps helps you mother yourself almost because it's like the things that you would hope a mother would impart on you, like helping you feel good about yourself, taking care of you. Like, you know, these are mother qualities. So the protective powers are also said to be extra strong for like kids and pregnant women. So if you have little ones or you're pregnant, throw some of it under your doormat, right? Um, I also love the idea of doing like little talismans for kids if you're a witch and your kids don't feel too weird about that. And I think Mother Ward would be really good in one of those. Um, you know that with the spiritual healing aspect of it, I talked about its affinity for lemon balm, which means I'm going to recommend a sleep sachet. I know. Take I know. a drink. It's time to take a drink. But my suggestion here is a sleep sachet with a blend of lemon balm, lavender, rose petals, chamomile, and motherwort. And honestly, if you just use like a motherwort tincture instead of the dried herb, this is also like a super bomb bedtime tea blend for like relaxation and spiritual well-being. But I think this is going to be a really like powerful spiritual healing blend. And it should also promote good dreams. I'd say definitely like add in a crystal or two if you want. I think rose quartz or your like pink Himalayan salt chunk would be like right at home here. That kind of like self-love really amping up the like rosebud motherwort energy there. I also think though, if you wanted to do like a tarot edition, I think the queen of cups here makes sense. Like the queen of cups, I feel like is one of the most maternal cards in the entire tarot deck. So I think actually, like, if you have your spell work tarot, uh, tarot set, you could just pull the whole card and put it in there. Or you could take like a sleep of paper and do like a drawing or a sigil to represent the Queen of Cups. So, um, and that's all I have today. I, I will add, you shouldn't smoke it. It's like really, really bad for you to smoke it. So I also, because of that, don't recommend it in incense blends. So drink it in teas or like as a tincture or use it like 
to add to like blends for under your doormat or sleep sachets, even a bath, but don't smoke it. Anyway, so my, (laughs) don't smoke it. My sources today were the Herbarium, uh, Grow Your Own Herbal Remedies by Maria Noel Groves, theherbalacademy.com and gardenerspath.com. Love that. That actually sounds good. I mean, I have really bad anxiety, racing, like racing heart anxiety. Although I will say like, well, you know, you know, you, you know what I'm taking and it's really been helping. Yeah. So I will, I will leave that there. Um, I also take it, but literally every day I put like 15 drops of motherwort tincture and Eric's water bottle on the way to work. And like, they've really noticed that it helps with their anxiety. So if you're someone who gets physical anxiety symptoms in the chest, Mm. it's like a tincture of this is good because it also has like, if you're taking it correctly, the chances of having like side effects for it are really low. Like if you take a strong amount of the tincture, it can make you sleepy, but it's not really something that's going to like make you go psycho or something weird like that. It's like just going to chill you out a little bit. So, which, yeah, we could, I think we could all use a little bit of that. Um, God, God knows. God knows. Especially after that eclipse, my God. Eclipse season, like, I feel like punched me in the fucking gut. This like this first round was tough. Eclipse season during Taurus season, because normally Taurus season I feel like is so light and fluffy and fun and beautiful, and the eclipse season just like stomped on it this oh, year. Truly, truly, truly. But, um, but we have we have so much more to cover. So I'm gonna dive right in. I'm literally just gonna get in there. Do it. And to start with. Up here at the top of my segment, I wanted to share a dream that I literally had last night. That could not have been better timed. Um, Also, it was like literally the night of the eclipse. So I really feel like I was like downloading something from the portal here. Yeah, that Scorpio moon was talking to you. But basically, basically in the dream, I was doing something that I did have to do a lot as a kid, um, which was doing a Bible study with both of my dead grandparents, which is my dad's dad and my mom's mom. Um, And everyone was being really fussy because I didn't bring my Bible and I had to use, for some reason, my great grandpa's Bible from World War II, which is like an actual thing that exists and it's like a family heirloom even. Um, But yeah, never, never have I ever like even touched it okay but yeah i'm like i love that you're like in your dream that was the next step that was the next thing yeah that was the only other bible they had um you couldn't use a bible app on your phone no absolutely not absolutely not um but so i'm like using this like world war ii family heirloom bible to like participate in this bible study and like the pages were all like really loose and everyone was getting mad at me because it's like the pages were falling out. And anyway, in my frustration, I was like, I don't even want to be doing this because I'm a gay witch. And then I like, like walked out of the kitchen. Oh my God. That's such a Z snap moment too. It really was like full Z snap moment. Um, But why is that weird? Well, today, literally the next day, um, I'm talking about ancestor magic. So like how on the nose is that? A little too much, if you ask me. Um, But okay, working with your ancestors is an accepted part of many, many different magical paths. And there is no definitive way to go about it. 
So I'm turning inward here. I'm going to talk about sort of what my thoughts are on it, how I've been on this journey. And like, really, because I think everyone's family is so different. It's going to be a different process. It's going to be a different thing for everyone. But because we're doing this kind of Mother's Day themed episode, I just kind of want to get that out of the way up top. So I, it's it's a lot about me. It's a lot about my journey with it, with ancestor stuff. So um, here we go. Yeah, uh, it's like you can only talk about your experience. So. Right. So, and I think uh, something that a lot of us in the community will be thinking is something along the lines of, well, my parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, were openly and devoutly Christian. Is this even something that I should be messing around with? Well, absolutely. Yes. A resounding yes, even. Perhaps even more so for the reasons I'm about to lay out, because here's the deal. Most people are probably harboring a fair amount of generational trauma, especially because baby boomers and Gen Xers were so adamantly anti-therapy. And then their parents and grandparents all went through like the Great Depression and World War II, which culturally, we're all carrying a just a lot of generational baggage that has not really been dealt with. Um, yeah, and, and I just wanted to pop in here to say they've done scientific studies, like generational trauma alters your DNA. Like this isn't just a spiritual thing. It's like, right, right, right. Science has backed this up, y'all. Like it's real. But also like truly trauma does rewrite your DNA and then your descendants will have these weird phobias and like I mean it, it, it's scientific like like it's it's been proven you know but whatever so if you're diving into some shadow work and you're really like doing the legwork you're eventually going to have to have this moment of reckoning and actually, in order to expand on this idea of like generational curses, I would like to share a story from my own family as an example, which I'm going to stop here and do a trigger warning because I will be talking about some pretty traumatic stuff and um, suicide and self-harm. So if that is something that you are cannot handle today, Fast forward like 20 minutes, okay? Um, so, and actually the context of this story I think is important as well. It was right after my grandpa's funeral, like literally we're in the car, we're leaving the graveyard, okay? And we're supposed to be going to this lunch reception. But instead my dad takes us out to this bayou. Now this is all happening in Louisiana. And there's like this bar restaurant, like literally on this bayou, which is full of, you know, like cypress trees. I don't know if you've ever seen how cypress trees like will grow in a bayou and they have like the little knees and the Spanish moss hanging down. Very much Southern Gothic uh, backdrop, you know, just for a little flavor. But we're go we're going to this place instead of like the family lunch after the funeral um and after a few drinks now my dad is a famously famously stiff upper lip kind of guy 
Um, I don't think I've ever really seen him cry um, or really like express deep emotion. Okay. Just not his thing. And actually, I think the story might even explain where some of that is coming from. But basically, he's telling us this story without a lot of context, uh, but basically as a means of kind of explaining why my grandpa was the way he was, because he was very unstable in his life mentally and, you know, kind of put the family through a lot of stuff that, I, again, it's like a generational kind of kind of curse, kind of, kind of a, a trauma response even. And I had never heard this story. I had never heard this story. And so this is like my family's generational curse, right? So the story goes that when my grandpa was a little kid, and of course I am the oldest son of an oldest son of an oldest son. So also like it, this kind of like lands in my lap, right? Um, so my great grandpa had acquired some kind of like military land grant after the war. Um, which basically he had a certain amount of time to turn a profit and then he could keep the land as a farm. Um, well, things were not going well on that end of things. Apparently the crops were not doing well. Um, and so there was this guy that they had hired to kind of help out as like a farmhand, right? And so of course, this is the forties. And uh, this this man uh, is, uh, this farmhand man is like living somewhere on, on the farm as well, uh, as one does when, when you kind of work that kind of job. Um, and so apparently though, my great grandma had taken up with him romantically and sort of become involved with this, this other man. And, and uh, my great grandpa, had found out um and i i guess kind of between like the farm is failing and he's been betrayed romantically by the mother of his children um and you know he's like doing all of this work to kind of make their life happen and you know she's basically ready to jump ship with this other guy apparently and so he goes out with a shotgun into the middle of the field and blows his own head off all of which my grandpa saw in person so and then of course this goes to then my dad who is like fully neglected emotionally as a child by this man who is so traumatized from such an early age that then he has this sort of like hands-off approach to parenting because he's like doesn't want to get messed up in the, the specific ways that he was messed up um and on and on and on and on and that's what i mean about a generational curse because this very very traumatic thing happened and then no one has ever talked about it can you believe i was 30 years old the first time i heard this story ever that's just like such big like toxic masculinity like right 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 and you know it's like that's something that i have had to work through 
in in my own therapy and yeah. you know that's something that is my dad is working on like he goes to therapy for his own ptsd but but you know it's it's really like it's decades and decades and decades of unresolved trauma and ptsd shuffled down the line until we don't know the story but we can feel the trauma in the room poisoning twisting casting its shadow right and truly as witches we should feel empowered not only to look into this abyss and break the generational curses but we're not just doing this for ourselves and our well-being but it's also like for our families and you know like at my present age where my siblings are having kids it's like it's it's for the next generations too that that we're looking into these things and we are trying to like break these generational curses before it perpetuates 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 yeah and someone has to stop the cycle right and i think it's not just important spiritual work it's also so 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 good for your mental health to find the roots of some of your own dysfunction and i think kind of looking into your family's past can really get you there because you know you never know when you're going to find some story like this and you're like oh actually so much has just like it almost kind of hurt my brain because i was like oh my god uh everything makes sense now and or a lot of things really kind of fell into place for me that day um and you know there was just this one missing piece which was this story and like really it it you know a lot of that stuff kind of did come down to me and you know so now it's like oh yeah that's why um but moving on to maybe a, a lighter topic at least comparatively than generational curses okay um uh what we in anglo-christian america would call guardian angels and you know i think i do believe in this at least partially you know i don't i don't know about like heaven or like wings or halos or anything but i do think well you know when when you have a loved one that passes on that is like such a major part of your life you know like i think they do have this protective force that over you um even from beyond and that is something that i do i i do believe in you know it's like i maybe they don't have angels you know angel wings and halos or whatever but i you know i think it's more more of a spirit guardian spirit you know like they are kind of joining your you know and it's like the greeks and romans had this thing of like household gods a lot of which would have been grandparents aunts uncles people who would have passed on before you know the family in the house and you know would kind of make these offerings and and whatever um but you know it's like this basic idea is sort of central to the bulk of what a lot of ancestor worship is in the western world is this idea that like the people that pass on are going to be looking out for you uh and you know for instance Dia de los Muertos so um you know for everyone that doesn't know Shannon and I both grew up in Texas and we you know have this very passing familiarity with Mexican culture um 
because we're not racist assholes, okay? You know, it's like, uh, I'm always interested and intrigued to learn about the other cultures that are literally in such close contact with me. Um, which isn't to say that like, I celebrate Dia de los Muertos because I'm not Mexican and I'm not Catholic. So, you know, but I know yeah. about it, but we know about it. We kind of grew up around it. And like full stop here, it's not Mexican Halloween. Um, no. And honestly, no, no, no. like saying things like that is extremely reductive and ignorant. So yeah. let's stop doing that. I do have, a, I'll have to find it. I have this really beautiful like Dia de los Muertos um, cross that a friend of mine who's Latina gave to me. And it's like so pretty. It's like, it's such a gorgeous holiday, but God, it's not fucking Halloween. It's it's not Halloween. It's not, no. it's not Halloween. I mean, there's elements that are similar. Yeah, because it's in the same season. Yeah, but it's not Halloween, y'all. It's not. Um, but okay, but what I do think is cool about Dia de los Huertos is that this idea that by carrying on the tradition while you're alive, it ensures that you yourself will not be forgotten in death because then your family will then carry on the tradition and so on and so on and so on forever and ever and ever. Um, and which is a nice, it's a lovely, lovely, lovely idea. Um, and, and, and it's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. So it's grave cleaning, which people might think is morbid to like go hang out at a graveyard all day, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like a party while yeah. you're while you're cleaning the grave you're it's also nice because like you know with my sister passing recently we were at the cemetery and like we cleaned my like great great grandma mccarty's like headstone and stuff and right, there is right, right. something it's just like about taking care of the people that you came from <laughs> right 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 and it's like you know like these are the people that gave you the gift of life and regardless of you know like what their lives were and what their beliefs were even you know it's like uh you know you are here because of them and you know you don't it's a it's a respect thing it's absolutely a respect thing um but you know it's like it's but it's also like telling these stories you know it's like telling the stories about the people that have passed and it's families are coming together to do this sort of like a celebration of life but also to like collectively mourn which i actually i think is really beautiful and you know it's like as just like white anglo-saxon protestant people we have like one funeral and then that's it and i i like this idea of like having this time set aside to not only have that collective because mourning is such a process it's not linear and it is good to take the time i think it's good to take the time you know and it's i i it, you can't just have a one and done and i i think that's ridiculous and i think that's that's very cold that's very disconnected and i i think you know it's like really like when you look at our culture and it's everything is so sanitized and emotionless and th there is something to that and yeah it's also a really good way to continue to pass on generational trauma if you don't work through 
these huge emotions because your body holds it. It really does. It really does. Um, but, you know, uh, but back to the idea of like guardian angels. So like part of this practice is this belief that the ancestors are watching over you and that honoring them in this way helps you as a living person to receive their blessings. So that's kind of the other side of the coin. It's not just about like honoring the people that came before you. It's also kind of like there is that selfish kind of motivation, which not only again, to work through your grief, but also to kind of like get those, get those blessings as well. Um, so, and then I have another personal story to share here. Um, and this time it's about my grandma. So this is my mom's mom. So my mama was the sweetest lady on earth and oh my God. <clears throat> yeah. Nick's mama was a badass lady and they were very close. So we were, we were really close. We were really close. Um, and she shared so much with me from family recipes to loving to travel and go on adventures and I would say really kind of hammered in the the good moral fundamentals of Christianity which I will say not a lot of people walk the walk and talk the talk but she absolutely did so many evangelical so-called evangelical Christians out there could also take some life lessons from Bama absolutely 100 yeah. percent but the but the point of this story is um two things so my mama loved butterflies so she had stationary she had fridge magnets she had mounted specimens she had earrings there was famously an embroidered tracksuit um which you know old ladies love a tracksuit um but like really everything everything butterfly um and because she died in springtime um, and she was buried in a country churchyard from, you know, her little hometown where she was from. Uh, and it was, there was, a, it was buttercups and a few blue bonnets and even a snapdragon or two, but there was a lot of actual, just like wild butterflies that were in attendance at the funeral, which I, I think she would have loved. Um, but then after that and coming back home to Austin, uh, I kept being followed by yellow swallowtail butterflies, which are, you know, this is part of their native range, but they're not kind of the most common butterfly you would see here. Um, and they really are so pretty and very eye-catching. And, you know, every time I would see one, I would try to take a picture so I could send it to my mom because I kept seeing these yellow swallowtail butterflies and I was you know, kind of sending these pictures to my mom. And um, so one time I this I was going through this this sort of process and the butterfly had gone behind a bush. So I'm like following, I'm trying to like get this picture and but then like they're on the rock and I'm actually wearing it because I remembered to do it for the episode, but they're like on the rock prominently behind this bush was this bracelet, which, is like it's like a beaded bracelet it's actually really really intricate but it's it's got the rainbow on it um and you know you really can't tell me it wasn't her you cannot convince me it wasn't her 
Um, and she actually, and so this is kind of, you know, oh my God. So she was actually like the chillest person kind of going back to like actually, actually being a good Christian um, was the chillest about um, when I came out of the closet and, you know, told me once like randomly out of nowhere that she really thought it was kind of cool that the gay flag was the rainbow flag because it made her think of Noah from the Bible. Um, That's and, just such a sweet, like, Christian grandma move, too. Yeah, it, like, really, and I'm like, um, yeah. anywho, so, god damn, hold on. <laughs> okay. Whew! But um, speaking of guardian angels, um, I do also kind of feel this way about my mom's sister, Joy, who passed very young in her 50s, um, who was like the first Aquarius weirdo in my life. Like she showed me the Beatles for the first time. She really kind of taught me that it's okay to march to the beat of your own drum. And, you know, while she never had children of her own, she was really had this such kind nurturing energy and you know like i always knew we were going to have a good time when she was babysitting and you know like i feel like she is a protective force in my life you know like truly it, it's just one of those things like and you know i i know not everyone vibes with this but like i really think since she has passed on she has been watching over me and you know it's like to this day i'm drawn to aquariuses a lot of my close friends are aquariuses or like even when they're not like people that are close to me i always find out have like aquarius moons or risings or like i, I i'm an aquarius rising <laughs> right 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 like just for people who also know me um yeah it's real and my grandmother is an aquarius which i do love i love that nana is an aquarius yeah 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 um but so kind of going back to the main theme here which is working with your ancestors in your craft and i think one way to get into it is obviously to look into your genealogy like i know every crusty ass white person is really into genealogy for some reason but it's it's interesting it's you know it's interesting to know these things and like someone else on my dad's side of the family already did an extensive genealogy for us so you know kind of already taken care of uh, but it was interesting to read and it was like this thick you know she had it professionally printed um which actually the story with that you know since we're talking about it i thought the story of the family genealogy was actually really cool because it was apparently some cousin of my grandpa's that was adopted at birth. And so she never known her birth family, which was like my family, right? And she was like raised in Seattle or something, like very, very far away from Louisiana. And so she had come down in the 80s um, because she wanted to like learn where she was from you know which i think there is that longing and especially you know if you're adopted like i i can only imagine like that feeling of like sort of disconnection right which it's that feeling of connection that 
that we want, which is kind of why we would want to even get into working with our ancestors, right? So she comes down to Louisiana and does all of this extensive research. And because it was the 80s, like even like my cousins are in the book and it's like a whole family genealogy and then a whole like family history, which traces it back all the way to like France in like the 1400s, which is absolutely cuckoo, but she did the work, she did the work. Um, but, you know, obviously like looking into your genealogy for guidance about which cultural witchcraft practices might be right for you and non-appropriative because we do not want to appropriate someone else's culture but maybe we find out ultimately that we are part of a culture and we didn't know so all of that to, to say i and i think you know for example shannon more so than myself but i as well have celtic roots and so i do love celebrating the Celtic Sabbaths, it does make me feel connected to my own ancestry. And it does, it does kind of feel right in a way to like, you know, to like do a bonfire on Samhain, to like, you know, be out in the flowers for Beltane. Like it really, it, it, it feels correct and it feels centering and it feels like home when you can connect with that kind of ancestral energy. And I, you know, I'm also hella French, as I previously said. And I do yeah. feel this familial connection when I'm doing kitchen witchery. Uh, and it really is that thing where it's like you season until your ancestors tell you to stop, um, which is a meme, but also very true um, because we never measure anything. And then when you do see a recipe written down, and you're like, wait, an eighth of a teaspoon of garlic? That's not enough. Anyone who's like one clove of garlic in a recipe, bitch, never. Eight. Eight cloves of garlic. Minimum. <laughs> the, <laughs> the whole head of garlic, even. Like, don't test me. I will do it and I will love it. Okay. But what I will say here is that if engaging in Christian spiritual practices like burning a Virgin Mary candle or using a rosary helps you feel connected to your ancestors' life paths, and if you feel positively about that, I say it's a good thing. Like, no one can tell you how to work your own craft, okay? Like, and I think that's so important to say because it's like, I am not a Christian, but I do not reject the Christianity of my ancestors, you know, like I think, and really, you know, like, like I say, when I look at my grandma, it's like, it had a positive impact in her life. And it was a very deeply held belief for her. And so like, I'm not going to disrespect her by like, completely doing away with those, those things in my life, you know, like, I still like Easter. Actually, I kind of wanted to go to church on Easter this year and like wear a pastel shirt. And I just, I had this urge and I didn't, but it's like, and I like the choir music, you know, what can I say? Like, I don't, when the choir's going and it's Easter Sunday, you can feel something. Yeah, and you don't, you, you shouldn't let anyone in the like 
new age community make you feel bad for like practicing your witchcraft the way that it works for you including if it means going to church once in a while yeah exactly and i was literally talking to america about it last night the the, the witch that i met the bruja and um you know just kind of like how it's okay to like use christian symbolism because if that's what connects you to your ancestors and like that's what they would recognize then so be it you know and if you have trauma associated with christian symbols then it's like find other ways to do it it's like just you have to find your path this is like such a personal thing this really is such a personal thing but i did read that using mugwort though to kind of tie in to wands and bronze it up is good for ancestral work um and so what i was kind of thinking and take another drink because i'm like it would be good for a sleep sachet because kind of the idea that i had read was that using mugwort which you are also not supposed to burn as incense because it is a little toxic but using it as a sleep sachet would kind of not only open up your psychic senses but also is good for ancestral work and so you might sort of invite ancestors to come visit you in a dream if they wanted to by using mugwort as an ingredient in a sleep sachet but i also think anyone who like works with astral projection would have an easier time trying to connect to ancestral energies as well um so if that is something that you do you know like you know maybe put the call out there like make it known that you are open to seeing your ancestors and like learning from them and like receiving messages from them because ultimately like you know an invitation has to be sent yeah and you uh you shouldn't take mugwort regularly like for extended periods of time but you can totally have like some mugwort tincture on hand to like add to a cup of tea before you're doing astral projection work it's really helpful for that um you shouldn't smoke mugwort but some cultures do use it for smoke cleansing but if you're gonna right, do that, right, right. make sure the windows are open. Well you know? ventilated. Well, well ventilated. ventilated. Just like yes. you should always if you're burning a bundle of herbs. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like Norse and Celtic, I think, pantheons used mugwort for smoke cleansing. So maybe just add a sprig of it in with like your yeah. rosemary. Well, bundle. and I was just saying, just like generally speaking, you know, like I always feel like because of the big Virgo energy. In I this, know. It's like, don't actually smoke it. Because there are plenty of herbs that I'm like, and you can smoke it. This is, these are mugwort and motherwort. Don't smoke them. Don't smoke them. Um, Yerba Santa. Hell yeah. But anyway. (laughs) But I think for altar work, okay. I think obviously photographs are going to be a powerful tool. But also like talk to your living relatives. And this is really kind of where it is just going to be from person to person, a little bit different, but older people love having these kinds of conversations. They do. And this is also like really how you're gonna find like the appropriate talismans and representations that would work for your specific family. Yeah. And you're just also gonna know, cause it's like, for me, literally it's like right behind my computer, I have this brass mouse. Mm-hmm that belonged to my aunt Wilma, who was like my great aunt who used to like, she was 
I loved going to see her when I was growing up because she would always buy me books. And it's yeah. like, she was always just so important to me because like, she never gave me toys, but I never wanted toys anyway. Like every time I saw her, she bought me books. So it's like this little brass mouse, cause she had a collection of like brass figurines, like is on my altar. And it's like, those are, those are the things that and, like, and, and yeah, of you course, know. Of, of course you'll know. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, like talk to your living relatives, like ask about the stories because yeah. those older people in your family have stories. And so, for instance, like I have on my little altar table a pine cone. And I I had a pine cone brought to me from Louisiana because that is where like half of my family is from. And it always makes me think, like I, I just look at it and it makes me think of spending summers in Louisiana with my grandparents. And yeah, pine cones are also just hella magical because the Fibonacci sequence. True, so true, true. It's but, so good for an but, altar. But I, I love a pine cone. Um, yeah. And, you know, I did buy, um, well, I'm not wearing wearing it now because I, but I bought these um, butterfly earrings recently, actually. And then when I take them off, I have this little dish. I've actually shown you the little dish that I keep some of my little pocket stones in when I take the butterfly earrings off. I put them, put them up. Yeah, I have a little jewelry bowl that I keep on my altar where I like smoke cleanse things and add little stones and stuff. Like yeah, yeah. Good, similar, good similar, similar vibe, similar vibe. But the, yeah. but my regular earrings, you know, my little sword earring that I wear all the time. Um, well, you can't really see it on the camera, but um, in the jewelry box in my bathroom. But the butterfly earrings, the butterfly earrings. Yeah, they go on the altar table. So, but that really does, yeah, kind of get into the realm of everyone's family is so 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 different, and it's really going to be up to you to do the legwork. I can't tell you what. Is going to be good on your altar for like your own journey with working with your ancestors but that's what i have um uh but kind of circling back around to kitchen witchery though and i have one more kind of like personal thing to share that i think feels right talking about this topic of ancestral magic so before my grandma died my mom gave me this family heirloom, which is a very, very simple metal Dutch oven. But her and my mama explained kind of the story of it um, before I could take it home. And basically, this Dutch oven, this metal Dutch oven, um, was one of the only things that got passed on from my great-grandma to my grandma. And so my grandma had it forever, forever, forever before giving it to my mom. And it's been used in so many memorable meals from my childhood and my mom's childhood. Um, and it's really just one of those things where if you just allow yourself to feel it, like it's absolutely supercharged with memories and experiences. And it's so, so, so special to me. And now that I have it, I only use it for special meals. But when I do, I absolutely can feel this like extra bit of love and like this sort of unbroken chain of like people like cooking event meals in this in this pot. And it's really, you know, like if you saw it, it's such a mundane 
object and it's it's kind of ugly even and like the knob is kind of loose and there's some rust on it but like to me i really think it's the most beautiful and magical thing i own um it's almost like the family cauldron you know if you want to think about it that way but it's like this um you know it's like a it was i mean it was my family it's dirt poor it was cheap at the time and it's like you know like 60 years old even so it's really been through it but you know and but i i i definitely feel something even just holding it you know um and i i will never get rid of it and you know like i think that's kind of one of those things where it's like i kind of the older I get, the more I understand why my mom is something is, is so much of a hoarder. Um, but I I do keep myself in check, but I will never get rid of that pot. I will never get rid of that pot. Um, it's just not gonna happen. And sort of ditto my dining table, which actually the story there is really cool too. So my grandma actually did remarry shortly, shortly, shortly after I was born because um, my bio grandpa died when I was one years old, which, you know, really sad for the family, but I never actually met him. So, you know, not really the sad part of the story here, or not, no part of the story is sad, actually. Um, but my grandma and my grandpa, the guy who acted and was my grandpa, uh, met in a widow's group at church and which to this day I think is weirdly cute they were actually such a cute couple and they were together for like 25 years before he passed away oh my god Christian Mingle eat your heart out like, like really this though, is everything really um but fully 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 think of him as my grandpa whatever and but he did have like a whole life before joining my family and when he first got married to the mother of his adult kids uh in the 40s one of the wedding gifts was a small formica topped breakfast table and eventually the family got bigger and you know they had kind of moved on in life and the table ended up in storage well you know, 80 years later, it's in my dining room. And it's also one of those things where like, you can really feel the energy and the, the memories of it. And, and my grandpa did love his first wife and he did, you know, in the guest room, still had her like vanity and like her photographs kind of set up and like, it's, actually so heartbreaking but sometimes he would like go in there and just like chill with her and you know whatever i mean it is what it is it is what it is but i have but i have that table now and it's like really you know it's just like you can feel like this excitement of like being newlyweds and like you know kind of moving out to the farm and then starting a family and like being up late kind of like worrying about this or that and it's just like all in there and like it really just makes me feel kind of calm and like i can handle these things in life too you know like and 
so I guess kind of what I'm saying is like my approach to kind of working with ancestors is very um, item based, which, you know, isn't going to be for everyone. But again, that's that's my personal path with it. So yeah. and that's what I have for you guys today. So I love that. So Shannon, how can people get in touch with us if they are interested in doing so? Y'all, there are so many ways you can get in touch with us. First of all, email. Let's go old school. Wandsandfrontspod at gmail.com. If you're slightly less old school, Instagram message us. Uh, on Instagram, we can be found at Pod. You might notice it's the same thing. Well, if you wanted to join our Patreon and get like awesome extra episodes, you get video recordings, um, you would go to patreon.com slash Pod. There's also Facebook which is Wands and Franz Pod. We're Wands and Franz Pod everywhere, y'all. Yeah, um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy. It's pretty it's, easy. Yeah, it's easy to get in touch with us. And if you have things that like you want us to cover in an episode or you have questions, we're always, always happy to like accommodate. I mean, we've had a few episodes that were listener requests for different topics. So, yeah. hey, it can happen. Um, Patreon is a really great way to support us, though, because making podcasts costs money. We have like equipment, we have our podcast hosting, we have just our time. That is, yeah. it takes a lot of time y'all and we love it. It's a labor of love, but it's also labor. So <laughs> joining our Patreon's great. But if you don't have the financial ability to support us, which we totally get, Nick and I are not here to shame people that can't afford to do that. There's a really easy free way to support podcasters that you love you can just rate review and subscribe so oh my god is it really that simple it's that simple and nick has even come up with a template for you for apple podcasts where you can write reviews this podcast is good which actually that way if someone is looking for a good podcast ones and fronds will come up so and, and it's it, good and it is good and actually if you leave us a comment if you leave us a comment that says this podcast is good five stars do not write that on a four-star review i swear to god oh my god the outrage that will happen but five stars this podcast is good i will reach out to you and i will do a tarot reading for you and that is a guarantee yeah i'm like we have only four reviews but we have like 12 ratings on apple podcasts and y'all we know there are more of you than that yeah we know there's more of you than that so let's also uh, let's... you can rate on spotify now which is so good so good um and then finally if you join our patreon you get a discount code which you can use on my bath teas that are ready now so you can find those by going to marygoldmallow.com. So anyway. you can you can spend some money and then you can save some money. Yeah, y'all. So so many goodies. All right. So we're so we're living. But because this episode was supposed to come out around Mother's Day, um we obviously have to talk about Gaia. Uh yeah. So shout out to all the mamas that listen. I know there are mothers that listen to this. Y'all are badass. I couldn't do what you do great also work. also hey kids hey yeah kids out there. hey youths uh hey everyone that has a mother i yeah. hope you called her if possible if you've had to learn to parent yourself happy mother's day to you my friend happy mother's day to you do you know what i got my mom for mother's day actually 
What? I got her all of the Bridgerton books, so we can talk about it. Oh, I finally finished all of them, so we can talk about it too. But I got my mother a phone call. So oh good, oh good, oh good. Go it's the it's the gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about Gaia, though. So Greek mythology, like so many mythologies, has a creation myth, and in the Greek creation myth, chaos came before everything. So this is the period that's like the time before gods and goddesses. So chaos, he was made of void, mass, and darkness. It was just confusion. And then the earth, in the form of Gaia, sprang into existence. So from, I know, she just showed up. So from Mother Earth, the starry heavens were born. And Gaia also, NBD, birthed the mountains, plains, seas, and the rivers that make up the earth as we know it. So Gaia is considered the first of the immortals, and she became the eternal seat on Mount Olympus, where all the Olympians sat. And as soon as she took possession of Mount Olympus, she literally, like, oversaw the world from her seat. So Tartarus was the next immortal to come into being, and he helped pave the earth. And then shortly after, he was followed by Eros, the god of love. And many years went by. And eventually Gaia became lonely, so she created Uranus to keep her company. And to make him happy, she gave him control over the sky and heaven. Then she created Pontus to oversee the ocean and Oria to oversee the mountains. And you'll notice all of the beings thus far were created without a daddy. She's just like... Uh, like seriously there's so much like creation that just does not need a dick and it's very impressive just just stargate that shit out of your pussy hell yeah but then one night she laid with her son uranus uh because gods and goddesses seem to be a lot more chill with incest than we are i mean no one no one else is around truly um and from that union cronus the original titan was born oh no so she and uranus then banged again and sired cyclops they also had brontes and uh, stereopes who became known as thunder and lightning or stereopes um, along with argus who was known as bright they also had hecatonchires uh gyges codus and briarios y'all i'm Greek is hard. Apologies. Um, but according to legend, these three had 50 heads and 100 arms. So Uranus tucked them away and hid them from the world because uh, that was a bit much even for a god. Also, like, you know, that like, um, that old school cartoon trope of like, when the lady's pregnant, and she's like knitting. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to like knit a little baby sweater for someone with a hundred arms and fifty heads? Like, no, I can't. I can't. But I'm imagining it. Um, I'm imagining like Gaia like doing like the thing from cartoons where she's like knitting. And it's I love for, that. Um... <laughs> well, at this point, Gaia is not feeling like particularly happy or inspired. She wasn't sure what to do. She just needed a change. But then inspiration struck. I think she was also probably pretty sick of fucking Uranus at this point. Um, so she used a piece of gray flint to create a sickle, and then she convinced her other kids to help with her plan. So Uranus comes home, is stoked to go to Bone Town with his mom, but instead he finds Cronus, who proceeds to cut off his father's testicles. 
Um, but even as Uranus is bleeding from the crotch, Gaia used him to father more children. She had both the Melier tree nymphs, the giants, and the Aranyes, this group uh, known as the Furies, kind of a big deal, sprang forth while she was like using her like blood gushing son to sire children. Um, and as Uranus's blood rushes into the sea, Aphrodite springs forth. So after getting down to business eventually with her son Pontus, because Gaia is just like, she has no one else to fuck, she has a bunch more kids, including uh, Eurybia, Nereus, Ceto, Thalmus, and Forsyth. You guys didn't know this was going to be like the book of numbers, did you? Um, all of her kids with Pontus are sea deities, and she also gave birth to um, Triptolemos with her son Oceanus. Gaia is also in some mythologies said to have had a child with sea in heaven, which resulted in the births of Aether and Hemera, who become night and day. And she and Tartarus are also said to be the parents of Echidna, who is a part snake, part human monster, who lived in a cave and gave birth to some of Greek mythology's, like, greatest monsters. So she's, like, the monster mommy. So really, like, we see Gaia is, like, the mommy of all mommies, right? There were a ton of temples in her honor. One legend even claims that she was the creator of Delphi. And the story goes that Gaia was disguised as a tree, and she stood in the center of town, and she talked to a stone which then came to life. So before breathing life into the stone, she was the original oracle. But then by breathing life into the stone, she created the ability for other oracles to come forth. Um, so, you know, she got tired of oracling one day and she appointed a nymph named Daphnis to take over. And then, you know, the oracle's Adelphi. Um, in addition to her many temples, as the mother of Zeus, she's also honored in some of his temples, which is great. I think it's the one... I think it's the temple in Sparta that was a temple to Zeus, but then they put in a water feature to represent Gaia, which I think is like super cool. And there are some theories that like Gaia and Demeter were the same deity and others even go as far as to say like Gaia, Demeter, Persephone, and Hecate are all the same deity, like the same goddess. Um, thinking basically like all of these stories are about the same goddess who were eventually just like separated into unique deities. Like in this way, like Nick, I was saying, it really gives me like Ishtar vibes. Oh, absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. So all told, Gaia had 60, six zero children. And some research actually shows that ancient Greeks worshipped her long before she worshipped uh, Zeus and the other primordial deities. So, but you want to work with her magically, right? Obviously, she's a great ally for those who are pregnant or want to become pregnant. She did it 60 times, sometimes without, you know, a dick. She seems to know what's up, giving birth to children. She is also considered a guardian of children and plants. Hello, Mother Earth. So gardeners and parents, I would say including pet parents, because we're also taking care of Mother Earth. Uh, I think you can call on her for protection. She's, of course, with that Oracle, to, uh, the Oracle of Delphi connection, she's tied to things like prophecy and dreams. So if you want to get into dream work, she would be a really good choice, I think. And she really just, like, she has ties to everything natural. So it's like green witches everywhere. Hello. Like, at the very least, leave some offerings to Gaia. Um, I would also like to say the most obvious way to honor her, guys, take care of the planet. 
uh, you know, do your part. Again, we know that like the people that are causing most of the carbon emissions in the world, it's like 90 top uh, company people. Like it's literally two school buses worth of people that are causing most of the damage to the planet. But we can do our part. You can like plant native species. You can, you know, volunteer to plant some trees, do a beach cleanup, just pick up garbage while you're hiking, you know, any little thing. Like that's really a great way to honor her. Uh, the Fibonacci sequence, also a great way to honor her. So the Fibonacci sequence, you can think of it, it kind of almost looks like a shell. It's this beautiful, perfect pattern that you find all over in nature. Like there are like ferns have it a lot, like specific types of ferns, but pine cones are a really great way to look at it too. It's like the kind of cool spiral where it gets like bigger and bigger and bigger as you get out further. So I literally wrote uh, like, a pine cone. <laughs> I'm like a pine yeah, cone. Yeah, okay. So the, the 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 link between our segments is pine cones. Pine cones, but also like ethically harvested shells. Like those are great things for altar representation, as well as like really anything natural. Like I love the idea of dried bouquets for her, because to me, Mother Earth. I don't know. I'd that I'd necessarily want to like get a fresh bouquet for her. Like unless you were like growing the plants, because then it kind of feels like you're cutting them down to die. But it's like, if you have plants that are ready to be deadheaded, that are looking on their way out, you know, dry them, leave those as an offering. Um, you know, if a, if a bouquet feels right to you, go for it. To me, it just feels a little weird, um, but that's that's just me. I would also say though, having representations of the four elements on your altar, if you want to work with her, makes good sense. Uh, also, foraging. I feel like that's big Gaia energy. Like just taking what you need from the earth, not getting produce that's like come in on like a truck from Mexico and you're in like upstate New York, you know, it's like getting down with the local stuff. I've I've really like I read a lot of stuff on like Reddit and different blogs from people who work with her. And a lot of the consensus seems to be that she's like a sweet and pretty gentle deity as well, which makes sense. You know, it's like that mother energy. So I would I would venture to say that she's probably a decent choice for beginners in deity work, too, because she she doesn't seem to be like tricksy, like it's not like getting in to bed with Loki. You know, it's a lot more gentle than that. So my sources today, GreekGodsAndGoddesses.net, sponsor us, baby. Um, Unigod.com. Oh, they, really, they really should sponsor us. They really right? should sponsor us. And of course, Reddit. So that's Gaia. She's actually not in a lot of the Greek myths. And I forget which philosopher it was, but they said basically that's because she existed before all of the other deities. So. Well. Yeah. To really, really, really round out this mom themed episode i actually got gemini for this week's taroscope which is funny because my mom is a gemini and no shit i actually let my cat pick the uh the zodiac card before i did my shuffle and i was like god damn it okay so here we are oliver knew oliver was like come on yeah you're like you're we have to do gemini so basically this week we're doing Gemini and um, we got the seven of wands reversed. And so this card is telling me, and actually, so we were talking about something that's actually going on with my mom this week. 
that really, really ties into this reading. So for all you Gemini's out there, you know, if you're Listen going through up. A, if you're going through a similar thing. But so this card is telling me that you are mentally exhausted with a certain situation. Um, you might have fought tooth and nail, but now it's just over. And you're letting these other influences win out because you have decided this is a losing battle. And ultimately, it, it may be what you need to get what you want, which is out. Um, because now all you want is for it to just be over and to get some rest and have a reset and like truly, truly, truly you sound like you need it. Um, so we really hope that you can kind of, you know, shut this down quickly. Um, and actually, I really think, though, this does kind of read into the situation with my mom, because she is very over this whole situation with what's going on with her. Um, because what I will say is that it has to do with like splitting up something between siblings and step siblings, even. So um, shit gets tricksy and messy, and people very, get mean. Very messy, very mean. So it's like it's a difficult situation, and you know, you're probably fucking exhausted, and hopefully, you know, and if you have a Gemini in your life, do something nice for them. They're tired. They're, yeah, they're tired they need right it. now. They need it. So cool. Well, um, what do we say to all the mommy bitches out there? To all of you mommy bitches, blessed be mommy bitches. Blessed be you mommy bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. I'm never rooting for cishet males. No, no, thank you.